Welcome to New Covenant Church. You are listening to this week's message with Senior Pastor Chris Valdez. Welcome to New Covenant Church. We're so glad to have you join us today here and online. want to just remind you of a couple of things. We want to remember our president who is recovering in Walter Reed Hospital from COVID-19 and also all the others. And Lord, we just curse that COVID-19 in the name of Jesus and we ask for its removal. Also, pray for the election that's coming up. Tomorrow is the last day for registering to vote in this election. So please register and vote your faith. Early voting starts October the 13th. And look at the platforms and vote according to your biblical values. One announcement that I'd like to make is on October the 24th, the men's breakfast is going to be at the Hensley's home. And there's going to be a skeet shoot following the breakfast. And so there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, and you can sign up. That's going to be a good time. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 5 says this, The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And in John 1.14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for who You are. Our prayer this morning is that we would behold Jesus Christ for who He is. Lord, His real identity. The Son of God, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sin of the world. Lord, the bread of life. The water that we can drink and never thirst again. The way, the truth, and the life. Father, this morning we ask that we would all behold you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. Last week we started this series entitled Behold, and it's on beholding Jesus Christ. But what we learned last week is that to behold Him isn't necessarily enough. And we saw many examples of that. To behold Him is to know Him. It's to see Him and perceive Him with our eyes or senses, even to experience Him. We looked at the root word of behold, and it's uh, aidu. And it means, uh, well, it's translated into many English words, know, know how, see, look, and saw, among other words. And we're going to look at a different variation of that word this morning as we get into the message. But the fact of the matter is that we can behold Jesus Christ and see Him at work around us and even get to know Him and still not know 
Him for who He truly is. Knowing people uh, is different. We know people at different levels. Uh, You know your spouse at a different level than you know your children. Your children know you in a different way than anybody else in the world knows you. We have friends and different kinds of friends. How you know a friend on Facebook or Instagram is different than the way that you know your best friend in the world. But we would say about all these people that we know them. I know Candy. I know my daughters, Abby and Allison. But I know them in an entirely different way than I know any of you. Even Pastor Daryl would probably be the one here that I'm closest to in this service. But he and I don't know each other like I know Candy or like I know my children. And I've got friends that I've had uh, since seventh grade that I'm still friends with today. Those friends are different friends than my friends on Facebook. I want to give you just one example of how uh, this level of knowing someone can impact us in our daily life. How many of you have, have been in a situation or circumstance and you encountered somebody or something, maybe they did something or said something, and you maybe took it wrong or were offended or thought, you know, how could they do that or how could they say that or how could they even think that, but you don't even know them. <laughs> you, you're maybe at best an acquaintance or maybe you've never even spoken to them. Maybe you heard from somebody what they said or did, but then you talk to someone else who knows them, who knows uh, how they think and what they believe and what, uh, what they love and what they dislike and all those things. And they have an actual relationship with that person. And they explain to you, there's no way that they would do or say or whatever that was that you interpreted in the manner that you thought they would because I know them. They wouldn't do that. And it changes your perception of them. It changes, uh, and, and maybe you've had the opportunity to get to know someone that you first had an impression of that was different than what you later found out was true when you actually got to know them for who they really were. And that's what we're seeing in these scriptures and in the gospel. That, and, and what we experience when we come seeking Jesus Christ, that there are many levels that we can know him And not know Him. Not know Him for who He is. The Son of God. Who came to take away our sins. Who is worthy of all of our devotion. Of all of our love. Of everything that we have to give. We may just have encountered a teacher. Or a prophet. Or a good man. Or someone who has some good things to share. What we saw last week is that when we come into the presence of Jesus Christ and behold Him, we are being offered an invitation to see Him for who He truly is. At that point, we have to decide if we've encountered who we've encountered and whether or not we're going to choose to follow Him. Another way to describe this is that we have to decide if we're going to commit the time to being around Him to get to know Him. All relationships require a sacrifice. 
and time to be put into those relationships if they're going to get deeper than surface level. We have to come to that place when we encounter Jesus that we decide if we're going to follow Him and sacrifice other things, sacrifice our will, sacrifice our fleshly desires in order to pursue the most important thing. Following the One who is the way, the truth, and the life. The One that leads us into the Kingdom of Heaven and into an eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father. We saw in the Gospels that many of the people who beheld Him, who were given the invitation to see Him and know Him, and most importantly, were given the opportunity to follow Him, most of them walked away with the wrong picture of who He really was. They got what they came for, but left without a relationship with Jesus Christ or truly knowing Him for who He was. The Lamb of God. This morning, our focus is going to be on who He is and showing the limitless value of God and His kingdom. If we see that, if we see Jesus Christ for who He truly is, His true identity and worth, my prayer is that we will accept His invitation to follow Him. We have to realize that Jesus Christ and the kingdom of heaven is the best thing for us. It's the best thing for each one of our individual lives. The real life that each of us live today, when we encounter Him and see Him, and when we behold Him, we have to decide if we're going to accept that invitation and choose to follow Him. If you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13, and we're going to get there in just a moment. While you do that, I want to give you some background to the text that we're going to be looking at. Jesus has gone back home. He's gone to the place that he grew up. The Gospel of Mark gives us a little bit better uh, example or, or behind the scene look at what's going on than we'll find in Matthew. But Matthew gives more of, uh, of the parables that he shares. So that's what we're going to look in Matthew. But I want to look at Mark 3 real quick so that we can see the background. Then he, Jesus, went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. That's talking about Jesus and the disciples. They weren't, weren't given even enough time to, and peace to eat. And when his family, this is talking about Jesus' family, when they heard it, They went out to seize him, for they were saying he is out of his mind. We know this is the same day as the account that we're going to look at in Matthew, because Mark 3 and 4 parallel Matthew chapter 12 and 13. You could read all four of those chapters sometime this week. Um, Matthew 12, 46 through 49 uh, says that Mary and his brothers came to him. And then it says later, it it says that same day, and then he shares the parables. And Mark also says the same thing, that they came because people were saying he was crazy. And then it says that same day, and Jesus shares the same parable in Mark 3 and 4 that he does in Matthew 12 and 13. So we know they're talking about the same time. So they came to seize Jesus because they were saying he was crazy. 
And it doesn't really tell us whether his own family thought he was crazy or just the people were saying he was crazy. Some uh, translations of the Bible give the family the benefit of the doubt, and they actually translate that statement as saying other people were saying he was crazy, so they came. The interesting thing is none of the Gospels actually show Jesus interacting with the family. We don't know if he had a conversation with them or not. One uh, Matthew chapter uh, 12, it does say... uh, that after he spoke, or after they told him that his, this is where it says that they're just outside. Uh, Matthew twelve forty six. it says, While he was still speaking uh, to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. Because of what we read in Mark 3 and 4, we know the reason they wanted to speak with him is they thought he was crazy. Either them or other people in the town. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands, Toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So what Jesus was saying is the people, and he was talking to his disciples, the people who know who I am, who have decided to follow me, who believe me, who go where I go and are learning from me, that's who are my mother and brother and sisters. That's my family. And so, Jesus' mother and uh, brothers came to him that day. The reason that they were doing this is Jesus was in their hometown. This is where they lived. And I made me think about it in a little different way than I ever had before as I just pondered it. They lived there. Jesus was going around teaching and going to other places and about. And this is where they still lived. They still went to the market to buy food. They still went to the synagogue on Saturday on Sabbath. Like us here, they they went to church with their community, with their friends, and they were thinking, we still have to live here. And they think my son and Jesus' little brothers are saying, they think our big brother is crazy. How is that going to look? We've got to live here. We've got to shop with these people. We have to do business with these people. And they think our brother's crazy. They think my son is crazy. So maybe we can just get them to tone it down. Maybe he can just come to Jesus, come home. Just while you're here, while you're in our hometown, can you just lay low here? You can go be crazy somewhere else. But we have to live here. But Jesus knew his identity. Even his own mother and his own brothers and his sisters, not realizing who he really was, was enough to deter him from what he knew he was supposed to do. In Matthew thirteen seventeen, in the middle of this day, it's the same day, it's after this encounter with his family, whether he spoke to him or not, he didn't let that affect him. And in the middle of that day, he says, For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see, and this word see is that same word, do. behold, the prophets and righteous people long to behold what you are seeing, what you are beholding, 
and they did not see it. They did not behold it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The prophets and righteous people wanted to be here now and they didn't get the chance and you're here, you're with me now and you're not beholding me for who I am. You're not seeing me for who I am. You're not hearing what I have to say. You're not understanding me. But Jesus doesn't let it deter him. He doesn't allow the thoughts or opinions of these people to get him off track because he knew who he was. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, Jesus Christ is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus knew who he was. Even if he was in his hometown, even if he was around the people he played with as a child, even if he was around the rabbi at the synagogue that he learned from as a child, he knew who he was. In the midst of all of these doubts, Jesus shares seven parables on the kingdom of heaven. And all seven can be found in Matthew 12 and 13. But we're going to just look at one of these. It's in Matthew 13, 44. If you have your Bible or you took your app there, look at verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. This parable expresses the condition of the soul in a person who chooses life in the kingdom of heaven. When we behold Jesus, we have an opportunity to understand his goodness. We have an opportunity to see what we would miss out on if we didn't follow him to gain a love for the value that we've discovered and to have an excitement and a joy about the whole thing. Think about when you, if you're married, when you met your husband or when you met your wife, when you beheld them, when you discovered them, when you got to know them, Did somebody have to convince you to spend time with them and twist your arm and say, you know, you really should, you know, if you really love her, you really should stop, you know, doing all these other things and at least devote a little bit of time to be with her. Or ladies, did, did your parents have to say, you know, if you really love this man, wouldn't you, you know... Shouldn't you spend some time with them? You know, y'all, y'all never see each other. You never talk to each other. You don't have anything to do with each other. But you say you're going to live this life together. That's, even even if, if your marriage didn't work out, you can go back to the beginning and know that's not anybody's experience. When you meet that person, you're in love with them. 
There's not anything else that you would rather do than be with them and behold them and know them and get to know them better. Nobody has to force you to do that. And that's what this Scripture is saying. This person found this treasure and they see it for what it is and how valuable it is and that nothing else in this world is as valuable as this and they go out quickly and sell everything they have and they're willing to give up everything they have to get this treasure because they know how valuable it is. If we behold the true identity of Jesus Christ and His kingdom, the idea that the cost, that the cost of that relationship, the cost of discipleship, the cost of following following Him will be too high, is crazy. That would be insane. Could anyone have convinced you that the cost of the relationship with your spouse was going to be too high. You were willing to give up anything and everything to be with them because you had beheld them and you saw their value. And that's just another human being. This is the Son of God. If we behold Him for the treasure that He really is, there won't be any cost too high to pay. What's clear in this parable is that it was a bargain. Selling everything else was a bargain. No one who has beheld Christ's true identity and received a clear picture of the kingdom could possibly regret or complain about the cost. On the other side of that relationship, you would never think, man, if only I hadn't paid so much. I think I could have got it for a better deal. I don't think I really had to give everything. I think he'd have accepted me if I'd have just given him a little bit. One thing that has been a barrier barrier to our path in discipleship and following Jesus Christ is the idea that it will be a terribly difficult thing and that it will certainly ruin our life. As long as we think or believe that lie that anything else could really be more valuable than fellowship with Jesus in His kingdom, we can't learn from Him or follow Him. In Luke 14, 26-27, Jesus said, If anyone comes to Me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be My disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is another way of explaining the parable we just read. He's giving everything else up to buy this treasure. But Jesus says we have to count the cost of following him. 
One thing I want to point out that the word here, hate, does not suggest active or positive antagonism. It's not saying that we're going to go and outright hate all of our family and try to destroy their lives. We know this because Jesus in other places said we're supposed to love and pray for our enemies. Those that persecute us and revile us, we're supposed to love them. So if we're supposed to love them, how can one of the keys to following him be to actively hate everyone that's closest to us? What this word implies is that we love everything else less. That we love him more. And we know that's possible even in our own lives. We can rank, like we said, just even our knowing of people, our loving of people. Heck, I've shared with you before that, uh, you know, we use that word love so easily. Or, or, you know, throw it around so easily. You know, I love pizza. And I love my wife, Candy. (laughs) How How do those correlate? So to love those things less and to love Him so much more and value Him so much more that it would be the equivalent of hating those other things. That's really what this is talking about. The counting of the cost brings us to a point of clarity and decision and it helps us to see the value of what we've found. The treasure of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and our Heavenly Father, and the Holy Spirit who is with us to reveal all truth to us. The outcome of counting that cost is a decision made in absolute joy. When we really get it, we see that it's not a sacrifice, it's a bargain. When we really get it, we see... But it doesn't, it still requires a decision to follow and to give up what's worthless to gain what's worth everything. The point of this passage in Luke 14 is that as long as anyone thinks or believes that anything may really be more valuable than fellowship with Jesus in his kingdom, they cannot learn anything else from him. They aren't following him. And they aren't his disciples. It's not saying that Jesus wouldn't allow you to. It's saying you can't. It's not possible if the first decision hasn't been made. If we haven't even found the treasure. Or if we found it but haven't decided that it's worth more That Jesus Christ and His kingdom is of more value than everything else. If we haven't made that decision, we can't take the next step because we haven't taken the first step. Once we take that first step, once we believe, and we're going to look at next week what, what that word believe means and what it really means to believe in Jesus Christ. But once we believe and decide He's worth more than everything else and we begin to follow Him, and we're going to look at following Him the week after, 
if we want to walk with Him in true discipleship and truly following Jesus Christ, we have to take that first step. And if you have never taken that first step, I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to consider deeply and think about who have you beheld when you encountered Christ Jesus? Is it just a good teacher? Is it a prophet? Is it a crazy man? Or have you encountered the Son of God who's the bread of life who will give you water that will allow you to never thirst again who makes you whole? If you haven't yet, I suggested uh, in the first week about picking a gospel and reading the whole gospel. If you haven't yet and you're considering, if you're pondering who this is that you have beheld, I encourage you to read one of the whole gospels. And when you do, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit before you start that, Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me the identity of Jesus Christ? I want to behold Him for who He really is and let Him reveal to you as you read through His Word. If we are to believe and follow Him, we have to go beyond knowing facts about Him or watching Him work in the lives of others around us. We have to see Him for who He truly is and decide to follow Him and that He and His kingdom are worth giving up our life of sin and death. That He's worth throwing all the other garbage in our life away and giving our whole being, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength to following Him and pursuing Him and His kingdom and the will of our Heavenly Father. I promise you that it isn't that there's a dreadful price that has to be paid to follow Jesus and become His disciple. There is no such thing as a dreadful price for the most wonderful treasure that we could ever encounter. It's a bargain. And that's what this parable was saying. It was putting it in earthly terms that we could understand. It'd be like saying you found something worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. And if you sold all your possessions in the world, maybe they add up to $50,000 or $100,000, but that's enough to purchase that field and that treasure. You have to be convinced to make that deal. That's why with joy without even thinking, without having to really consider. He went and sold everything he had to buy that treasure. It's like the example I gave earlier with our our spouses. When you met them, you didn't have to be convinced to sacrifice to get them. It was with joy that you made that decision and that you would pursue them. It's the same with Jesus Christ and His kingdom. When we see Him for the priceless treasure that He is, we will sacrifice everything else with joy and desire to follow Him. To follow wherever He leads. 
because the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. And then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Will you bow your head and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, your word says that he was with us before, he was with you before the beginning, before you created anything, was the word, the word of life, Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would let us behold him for who he is. Open our eyes to see, open our ears to hear, Lord. We don't want to be in your presence and not see you who, for who you really are. Open our hearts to receive you, Lord. Lord, that we would have a passion and a desire to follow you because we see that you're more valuable than everything else in this world. And that we would commit to following you wherever you lead, whatever that path looks like. And that we do it with joy. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning that's never beheld you for who you are. Lord, if they're getting that glimpse, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would awaken that within them. And that this morning, today, they would decide to follow you. And as you said, then they will be your brothers and sisters because they've chosen to follow you. And Father, for myself and everyone else here who has made that choice before, Lord, we've followed you. We've made that decision long ago. Lord, I pray that you would renew that first love. Lord, I love that maybe now it's just an ember. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would fan that into a flame that would burn for you with the passion that we burned for you in the beginning. Lord, that everywhere we go, we would be a witness and an example of who Jesus Christ is in us because we really believe it. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as you stand and as we close in worship, there will be a prayer team here that would love to pray with you and agree with you in prayer. Also, if you uh, receive Jesus Christ or you're making that decision to follow him uh, this morning, we encourage you to pick up this book in the foyer. It's a great discipleship tool. Also, there's a card that you can fill out letting us know of your decision. We want to walk with you in that. We want uh, to walk with you in discipleship, but we need uh, to know that you've made that decision and we need to know uh, who you are. And so if you'll let us know, we will contact you and, and, and walk with you in that decision. Will you sing with us as we close? No word of Savior Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah 
Christ is risen. Bow down before Him, for He is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Look unto the altar, the Father's arms incredible word you just realize when you get Jesus and you think you got it all you dig a little deeper and you find out there's more with this treasure the deeper you dig the more you find he's worthy of it all dig deep discover the glory of the Son of, Je- uh, Son of God, Jesus Christ. Father, we bless you and we thank you. Father, we ask that we want to go deep with you. We want to discover all that you have, all that you are, all that you're going to be. Father, thank you that you are the one we desire. And we come to you. Fill us. Empower us. Strengthen us. Reveal to us Jesus Christ. We pray in His name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 